You're listening to How I Sell, a podcast built for early career sales professionals. You'll hear stories, best practices, and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar. Today's episode is made possible by Ramped Careers. Ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce-ready talent. All right, everyone, welcome back to How I Sell. Today, we have one of my favorite salespeople. In fact, he's your favorite salesperson's salesperson, uh, former Groupon legend, one of my faves, Matt Rolnick. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to see you, Danny. Of course, <laughs> of, course of course, of course. Yeah, great to see you too. Thanks so much for coming on uh, our podcast. So, I'm I'm going to I'm going to walk folks through your career because it's super interesting. It's always intrigued me. And then uh, I want to I want to get your take on it. So you started out at KRS Communications, then went to the Tribune, uh, Tribune Media, City Search, Groupon, and then a short stint at Brand back to Groupon and now Yaymaker. Did I did I miss anything? No, you got that pretty well right. Um in college, my junior year at University of Wisconsin, I started a marketing publishing company and with a couple of business partners. So that kind of got my entrepreneurial and sales journey rolling. Nice. And I know you dabble in some things on the side too. You like to flip homes. Uh, talk to me about that. How does that play into sales and your sales journey? Um, well, my wife and I, six years ago, bought a franchise called Homevestors. Um, you ever see billboards that say, uh, the, the, the We Buy Ugly Houses. And uh, so anyway, we, my, my wife and I both have interest in real estate. You know, I, I ended up getting a real estate license when I first moved to Chicago, like almost 15 years ago. But uh, we flip a couple houses a year um, and uh, it's been a really good network. And basically the same sales skills, buying homes from sellers or negotiating apply. Actually, what's interesting is um, with a Groupon or other companies use like a Sandler method techniques, which I think are great sales. Uh, Homevestors uses the same. So a lot of the exact same principles. Nice. That's awesome. And I see applying your sales skills to something that uh, seems, seems pretty natural to me. So, so for those who don't know you uh, as, as well as I do, or as, as, as closely as I do, given that we work together, uh, who, who is Matt Rolnick? Who is Matt Rolnick? Matt Rolnick's a guy who gets uh, extremely excitable, very passionate, loves helping people, gets very excited about um, marketing and advertising and engaging customers. I've always found it fascinating what can influence someone, whether they choose Coke or Pepsi or they go to one restaurant or the other. Um, I like the idea of influencing, especially if something I'm really passionate about. So I'm a guy who I would say a marketer, an entrepreneur, sales, and like to, likes to mentor people. That would I would say would be the essence of me, who tries to always stay young at heart and always be humble to always to never stop learning. I feel like I can learn from someone who's 16 my, or even my 12 year old daughter or someone who's 80. I am always, I'm trying to be always very humble and always trying to learn. Nice. I love that. Uh, passion for mentorship is something that we both share and obviously Ramp Career shares as well. And, and your genuine, you know, genuine passion for, uh, for what you're selling and how you're selling it, does that, is that a prerequisite for you? Do you have to be passionate about what you're selling in order to take a position? Well, I would say I've worked with a lot of people that I'd say aren't as passionate or much more reserved, but they're very strategic. They're very thoughtful. For me, that is part of 
my personality. So, you know, a lot of people take a lot of time, you know, listening, do needs analysis. And I think that's all very important. I've kind of always led with my heart. And if I'm really excited about a, pro a product or a service, it's like, I just feel like I, I'm a force and I just, I'm such an evangelist that I feel like it can be a little contagious. So I don't think it's a prerequisite, but for me, it definitely is. It's hard for me to sell something that I'm not passionate about. Nice. Makes sense. So let's go all the way back to the early part of your career. You're just graduating from the University of Wisconsin, Madison. Uh, were you always a networker? Were you always passionate like that? Were you always a relationship nurturer? Did that come through the positions and through your experiences? Um, I think I always was. I'm someone who generally, you know, some people like dogs. Some, I've always liked people, all people, even people that are, you know, jerks. That I, I like almost everybody. Um, but, um, and I kind of had an opposite approach. My junior year, I just decided I'm going to start my own business. And I, I started with a discount card. I worked with a, a business partner. Um, and um, we started making like 10 grand a year, just part time as a student. And it made me realize how much I like advertising marketing. And so, I decided my, my, after I graduated, I was going to start my own marketing publishing company. Um, and I learned really early on that I don't love the operations. I don't love the finance. I don't love the legal. There's so many things I don't like, but what I love is the sales and marketing. So I've always leaned towards that. Um, but uh, to answer your question, I've always been a networker. I think I've started to cultivate that more and more as I've grown and I've realized the importance more and more. And I realized relationships I had from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even longer have really kind of weaved and really have kind of helped my sales career as well. Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, I've admired both from up close and afar uh, about you is that you you take the time to nurture relationships and you do a really good job of keeping in touch and tapping into folks that you know in your network uh, as you know, as you take on new exciting positions uh, and, and just in general. So it's something that I've, I've found very, um, you know, again, found very interesting and very uh, and, and admired about you. So I'm curious to know, so you took a business school degree from the University of Wisconsin, and I know a little bit about your father. Uh, he was the uh, in, on the Federal Reserve in Minneapolis. Was there any pressure there to kind of divert from sales and go into the quote unquote family business? You know, no, my dad was an economist. I, when I, I always thought my dad's job was kind of boring. Um, and now I'm finding it much more fascinating. We get, I love talking to him about things, but when I was younger, it just... He was an economist, worked for the federal and just went all, you know, moved up. Um, but no, I never felt any pressure. Uh, my parents, I mean, I always kind of beat to my own drum. Um, my parents were definitely nervous when I first decided to start my own business. Um, and, uh, but no, I, I never felt that they just said, whatever you like, you know, focus on, they believed happiness first and, you know, the rewards or money will, will follow. But no, I never felt that pressure. Nice. And it's a similar path. My mom was, a, my mom is an accountant. So I, feel like same, you know, she didn't put too much pressure on me to go into the, to the family business. I thought, I thought it was boring too. And now I'm finding it as I, I, I run my own business that it's a little more interesting than I gave her credit for. So, so, so similar, similar tracks there. Um, what was it like jumping, jumping into sales or starting your own business or selling in the, uh, the early days after you um, graduated from school? Well, I was very fortunate. I had two business partners, one who just loved finance and money one who was very creative in production and I was sales and marketing. So we all complemented each other very well. So I could just lean into the things I do best, which was just literally reaching out to partners, wanting to advertise with us or things like that. So 
I realized very early on, that's what I like doing. Um, and so I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I just knew that if I was going to take it, eventually I sold the company. Um, I bought up my partners and sold the company, but I knew that if I ever worked somewhere else, it's going to be in a sales or marketing role. Nice. Makes sense. So you sold your company, you bought your, bought your partners out, sold your company, and now we're moving on in your career. You take an account executive uh, role. Walk me through that and what that decision was. Was it an easy one or is it just, you know, I'm, I'm the sales guy. I'm passionate about sales. I'm just running into it. Boy, you know what? I ended up um, after um, selling my business, um, I got into some, I basically sold all media, but I did some radio advertising and then, um, and then I ended up skipping a step, but I ended up my first real sales job, I would say was, um, with the Tribune company, they owned the Orlando Sentinel and they had the opportunity to basically be an account executive selling for sports entertainment and attraction. So Disney was my biggest client, but that was my first actual sales role where I'd say it was very formalized and where I had more of a corporate structure. Um, so I decided to interview for it. Um, I remember my boss said, either I'm going to be a huge success or a, or a huge failure. She, just because, again, I was so enthusiastic and I just saw so much potential with the, especially the category really excited me. Did you have a, a chip on your shoulder when your boss gave you, uh, I, I would consider maybe a pep talk, but did you have a chip on your shoulder saying, no, I'm out to, I'm out to prove her right or prove her wrong? You know, again, everybody's different. I mean, I, I, I definitely see the glass more than half full and I had all this idealism. So, I mean, I just focused on the potential and the opportunities and I just attacked it. So, um, you know, I definitely wanted to prove it right. But as I said, I was just so excited about the opportunity. I was working kind of nonstop just because of the excitement of it. Awesome. And as you took that job in your early days, what are some of the things that you installed in your own personal process to ensure that you were doing the job rights, closing business, drumming up pipeline, et cetera? So I would share, um, you know, I, in that situation, I had a book of business and I tried to also grow some clients. So um, I wouldn't say process. I believe in the 80-20 rule in general. It's like, you know, which clients bring in the most money and making sure you're balancing your time accordingly. So at that time, actually, I had Disney as a client. So I had to spend a lot of time with that. And I try to look at things. And then I always tried to make sure I was always carving out time. So I blocked time to make sure I was always prospecting. So again, I would have my own, I'd say, top 50 list that I would make sure that I kept very, you know, thorough records to make sure that I was focusing on that. Um, but anyway, that, that was the gist, I'd say, my process. I made sure that as soon as I started, um, I would I talked to other very successful reps to ask what they do and what's their process. And I try to take a gem from each of that theirs. I try to make sure with the, my teammates that I worked with that I understood the, their process, what's important, what isn't. Um, and then every client, the first time I met them, I asked them what's most important to them, um, if that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anything that you, you know, coming out of essentially running your own business or selling your own business to selling somebody else's business, was there anything that you struggled with or uh, I'll leave it as that. Was there anything you struggled with in, in the early days or even onto your tenure at, at Tribune? Yeah, I mean, definitely. One of the things I struggled with was I didn't realize as a, as a salesperson how much you have to sell internally. Sometimes I think selling internally is just as hard as selling externally. Um, so when I had my own business, I could talk to my business partners. We could turn around ideas very quickly. Internally, especially at a company like the Tribune, 
there are lots of steps to sell. So something that was very intuitive to me, like, oh my God, we should add this type of product or why don't we charge more for this thing or something like that. It, it, there was a lot of steps. So it was just, it took a lot of time to get an idea through and many ideas that I had wouldn't go through. A lot of times they say, this is a great idea, Matt, but you know, this isn't what we're currently working on. So go back and sell what we told you to. I mean, not exactly, but that's the gist of it. So that was a, an adjustment for me. Cause I was just like, let's go, let's go. This makes sense. And I realized that there's, you have to understand the initiatives of the business that any, any new idea impacts so many other departments. So it's really important to understand where they're coming from. So that was one thing that was an adjustment for me that I felt I got better as my career progressed. And, and knowing you and knowing, you know, what you've said about yourself in this interview, you know, you're very excited, you're very passionate when you would get that rejection internally, or they'd say, Hey, just focus on what you, what we, we want you to sell. How would that make you feel? Or what, what would you do with that? Um, you know, sometimes it'd be confusing. Like to me, in my mind, oh, this makes sense. And like, why wouldn't we? Um, for the most part, I just kept trying to think of a, diff- a, a new idea and focus on my job. I try to use my own entrepreneurship or creativity with my sales. So even when I started at the Tribune or Orlando Sentinel, I would often work with our graphic designers. We'd create, come up with creative spec ads. I'd share ideas and then I'd present those to clients. So I used that kind of entrepreneurial energy and teamed up with other creatives to help me sell other concepts. So that, that was one thing I love, but I always came back. It did, you know, just like sales, you're getting rejected at least nine out of 10 times. Same thing internally. I tried not to take one piece of advice is just don't take anything personally. I mean, that that's kind of a model. Nice. Uh, and as, as you were transitioning from the tribune to your next stop, which was city search, uh, I guess, what were some of the decisions you made to kind of take it to that next step or take it to the next stop on the way? So when I was at Tribune, I worked in a lot of different divisions, direct mail. I, I worked with um, the print product, um, you know, specialty magazines, all these different things. Um, I wanted to get in the digital. Tribune had a Tribune Interactive, but it was super competitive and I didn't feel I was making much traction. I knew, I knew print was dying or not nearly growing and, and digital advertising was going to be the way of the future. Um, so city search was like the big online company before Yelp got really big. So city search was known as the site with all reviews and things like that. So I knew I wanted to get at, in digital advertising. And at the time that was definitely, I thought the, a really good company to go to, which again, I really enjoyed. I felt it was kind of cutting edge at the time. Nice. And, and, you know, I, I know a little bit about city search more from the competitive or somewhat competitive nature. It was with Groupon back in the day, like way early days, but I think they transitioned out of it. Um, what did you learn from your experience at city search that helped position you for the rest, uh, for, I guess, where you are today or the rest of your career? Um, well, a lot of things. I mean, when I was at city search, I worked with a lot of small to mid-sized businesses, a lot of restaurant owners, salon owners, um, people that might've owned bowling alleys. I mean, you name it, just all different ones. And I realized advertising is competitive. Um, their dollars, they really want to see a return. So one thing I learned was simply like, hey, these are human beings, people that really every dollar counts to them. And I really wanted to be a consultant to them. Um, but what I liked about City Search and as well as Groupon is how do you track? So City Search, at least you could see how we had like a, a call track and you see how many people 
called them from it, or we had we could track to see how many people visited their website or landing page. And uh, I also learned the importance of reviews and the importance mm-hmm. of that city search really opened my eyes on the importance of what other consumers are saying about your business. And I would guide them on how to respond to positive type of feedback. If someone says something positive, don't just look at it and so great, actually respond and thank them. It amplifies that positive word of mouth. And God forbid you get a negative review, which you will. Don't be shy to, to respond to that too. Um, so that's, I mean, because at least that they'll know that you care and you respond back. So anyway, I learned the importance, I would say, of communicating with your consumers was one thing from a business lesson, I'd say. I'm starting to see some trends uh, throughout your career. And and from what I know, it's just uh, an intense passion about the customer and the customer experience. Uh, And this is something that I can certainly um, say for a fact you you did at at your next stop, which was Groupon. Uh, But you know, talk to me through the transition from City Search to Groupon. And I know you had two stints at Groupon, uh, both both illustrious and uh, legendary. Um, I could say from from uh, from personal from 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 watching you personally. Uh, but walk me through that transition and and talk me talk uh, talk the audience through your time at Groupon and um, you know some of the highs, some of the lows, uh, all of the good stuff. Sure. So. Um... So it was interesting what you said that City Search and Groupon were kind of competitors in the early Groupon days. I once was, I, I went from sales to a sales manager at, at Groupon, I mean at City Search. And I remember going to a restaurant, Chinese restaurant in Logan Square, I believe, and in Chicago. And uh, they shared they didn't want to advertise with City Search because they're doing something with Groupon. And this was back in like two, 2009 um, or something like that. And uh, I was like, what's this Groupon? And anyway, I, I ended up being a customer of it and, and fell in love, obviously, with Groupon and just what an amazing acquisition tool. And then um, Andrew Mason, who founded Groupon, reached out to City Search, And he basically was interested in like a partnership or things like that. And the vice president went to me and said, Matt, you talk about this company all the time. Do you want to meet with Andrew Mason? And I'm like, sure. So he only had seven employees at the time, only hmm. in Chicago, we had lunch together and he wanted to know if my team, the Midwest, could help procure deals for Groupon. I'm like, oh my God. I actually went back to City Search and said, here's a small company that I think we should buy, compete with, or partner because I think they have this magic in a bottle and I think they're going to skyrocket. Anyway, I stayed in touch with Andrew Mason. Later, um, a handful of months later, they reached out to me um, uh, about a national sales position. And I was, so I actually, now, you know, here's your audience. You have a lot of people, you know, in, in sales and what they do with career. I was in say, I was a sales manager, but they offered me a sales position. And it, many people would feel like that was taking a step back, but I was so excited what Groupon was doing. I was like, absolutely. And I remember Darren Schwartz, who was the VP of sales at Groupon at the time, asking me, why would you take a step back? And for me, I was like, kind of like you said, if I'm passionate about what a company's doing, and I see the value to the consumer and to the business, I want to be involved. So however I can make the most impact, that's what I want to do. So that's when I first, so I first started at Groupon and I learned to be very adaptable. They basically had me as a utility role. So I was doing national clients and helping local markets. I was doing some trainings. Um, So anyway, that was my, my first kind of stint with Groupon was focused on sales. As I said, helping national and local markets. Um, one tip I got, and I appreciate you complimenting me as 
legendary or whatever, but you were one of maybe eight, 10 reps that when I first started at Groupon that I wanted to mirror. So I knew we were in, I think the San Diego market, right? Yeah. Yep. That's right. And, that's right. And, and I remember you killing it. I remember a month, I swear you had like 400,000 <laughs> in sales in one market. I'm like, what? So there were people like you, Lena Lee, Jana Cook, Patrick Lynch. Like one of the first things I decided to do was say, Hey, can I get 15 minutes and just learn what your process is, what do? And so same thing I did with the Tribune. And I think any salesperson, if they go to any company, find out what the top people are doing and get something like your process was very different than Jana's, you know, or, or like a Chris Gurley's or a Patrick or things. But again, I got something from everybody on that. So. Yep. That's, that's, that's great advice. And, uh, and something that, you know, once, once our audience knows, or once they're in a specific business, it's always great to just reach out to the folks that you've identified as top performers or even, even not top performers, just folks yeah. you know, sit alongside of you that have been there for a little bit and have developed that type of process already. And you can mirror them until you get, you know, your, your sea legs under you from a sales perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, so you're at Groupon, um, yep. you're, you're rising through the ranks as a salesperson uh, and you get promoted into management. Uh, you know, how's, how's the difference between managing reps to being a salesperson? Is it the same pressure? Um, is it the same set of skills you need? Walk us through, you know, kind of the differences and, and what you like about either one. So I'll share with you this too. So by the way, my first round at Groupon, I stayed in sales role. I ended up leaving Groupon because I had another company that was in the kind of programmatic space of digital that offered me a lot, a really heavy base, a huge opportunity. Um, I ended up not loving it at all. I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't feel like I brought the value. I ended up reaching back out to Darren Schwartz, or Darren Schwartz reached out to me, who was a VP of sales, telling me about a new vertical, uh, Groupon was going to verticals. So I came back into sales at Groupon, and then six months after that, uh, I was promoted to management. But to answer your question with that, it was a very different pressure, uh, you know, different pros and cons. Um, you don't feel as much day-to-day pressure, I would say, in making sure numbers are, but there's a lot more other things you have to juggle a lot of different personalities, making sure you're very buttoned up in, you know, how you're presenting new initiatives, new compensation plans. Um, so I had to be a lot more, I'd say, methodical. I wasn't just go, go, go as much. I had to make sure I was very consistent um, and in making sure, yeah, being very fair, very transparent with everything. And it's just, you know, it was just a little bit of a different mindset. And again, same thing, as soon as I became a manager, I went to some of the top managers and just kind of asked, what do you do that helps you be successful? And for me, the also challenge was um, I was never as good at report. So I think some, if, as a manager, knowing whatever CRM system you use, like we use Salesforce at the time and how to build reports or things like that, I had to get myself more fast tracked with that. And so that was, I'd say, an area of a improvement or a potential weakness of mine that I needed to get, ramp up. So I had to focus more on that. So I would say it was just a different way of working a little bit, but my favorite part was still being in the front lines and doing four-legged calls with reps. Nice. Yeah, I love that. What are some of the things that you look for now or back then, uh, if they're the same, in junior salespeople, so the SDRs of the world, when you're hiring or considering bringing someone onto your team? So there's a lot of things that we look for. I mean, there's no one magic. I mean, there are so many different, different personality types, but in general, I really like somebody who's resilient so that they can 
go with the flow with things or they can adapt accordingly. Um, I believe someone who's very entrepreneurial. So they, if they look at whatever sales job is their own business, I think that's really helpful. Um, so those are two that I really think, um, you know, having a professional etiquette, I think is important. I like role playing with them to see how they handle objections. Cause I feel like in sales, you're always kind of have to handle unique situations. Um, so those were some of the things that, that I look for. Um, I, you know, for me, another thing that wasn't necessarily a criteria, there's a bonus for me is if they were passionate about the company to me, if they, they're, they're a customer or passionate to me, that's an X factor that I personally like looking for. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's super important when you're making hiring decisions as well. Uh, to be passionate about the company that you're selling for, it, it's it's tough for some people to to have that that you know innate passion about something that they're they're not so into. So uh, I think that's that's a great one. And out of curiosity, do you have you know any questions that you like asking in these sales interviews uh, that really screen out kind of the ones that are great fits for you versus the ones that aren't so great? Wow. Um, well, one question that someone used on me once that I like using is just, you know, because when you ever ask somebody, hey, what are your, you know, what are your flaws or your biggest challenges or areas to improve? You get a lot of, hey, I'm too much of a perfectionist or you get yeah. these big. But the question is, what does your colleagues think are things that you need to improve on? Then uh. to get some more real answers and, they can, you know, you can kind of see the defensiveness or things like that. You kind of get a real more essence of that. Um, if you ask somebody, you know, their most, you know, proud accomplishments and why are, is, you know, it's interesting to get that feedback. Um, I like to also ask what was your biggest failure and what'd you learn from it and what'd you do from it or things like that. Um, and so, I mean, th those are some questions I like asking, um, if they've had sales experience, I like to know, you know, give me examples of sales you did, what challenges you've had. Or what, what, tell me about a sale that you found very re rewarding and why. And then you get some more information from them. Um, knowing their process, obviously, you know, someone who's got a good process and organized, that really helps too. But, um, but, those are, but those are some of the questions I like to ask. Yeah, those are good. I like, I really like the first one, the, you know, kind of putting yourself in the shoes of someone else to evaluate you. It, it does give an interesting lens uh, to maybe some of the flaws or not flaws, challenges, uh, or what areas of opportunity that you could be improving upon. Um, so now on to, you know, close the, close the book on Groupon, you know, long, illustrious career there with a couple stints. And now you're at Yaymaker. Tell us about Yaymaker. What are you responsible for? And, um, you know, on, on the sales side, are you still, are you building a team? What's, what's, what's next for you? Sure. So just to share with you too, kind of going back to your first question, What's uh, interesting or what I think is really important why, why I stress relationships and nurturing relationships is I was, an, you know, I was an entrepreneur at University of Wisconsin-Madison. You know, this was back in the 90s. Um, and, um, and Dan Herman was the co-founder of the original Paint Night, um, where, which he taught people, you know, you know, artists how to paint at a bar in Boston, grew it to 65 million in revenues, done over 300,000 events. He was an entrepreneur. We collaborated at on campus together, starting our senior years. Uh, so he started a company, Lazy Bones, and then we did a sports newspaper. But anyway, um, he's somebody, you know, that I always stayed a little in touch with. And once the pandemic hit, his business, his revenues basically went to zero because mm. all of his revenues were in venue. And so he was all across North America. So I reached out to him just to see how things are going and, it, and just trying to help him with ideas. 
And we started brainstorming some more and realized there's so many virtual events that could be done as people. So it's not more than just paint night, but now we can have magicians and musicians and mixology classes and cooking classes and, you know, fitness classes. It's just endless of things that can be done. And basically he's like, Matt, I knew your passion back at, back when we were in Madison together. And I've always loved your ideas. I've used, he was a client of mine. I sold him advertising. Um, and he's like, I'd love to bring you on as our VP of sales. I'd love to help you bring a team. The company got some PPP money, um, to kind of revamp. So I brought in a few kind of SDRs, BDRs that were up and rising rock stars. Um, and um, so we started really building talent. So we're actually, we're in the midst right now. I'm helping um, Yaymaker and with a, a guy I used to work with that group on as well, Cliff Ryan, who was the head of sales of health and beauty when I was there. Um, we're working with the co-founder to help raise a series a series A2 we're calling it or seed round of funding for 4 million. So we're trying to raise a few million dollars so we can really invest more in the business and build out a, a much stronger team. We want to be kind of like you group on very fast expanding theirs. We think we have our own little magic in a bottle and we're trying to grow that. So. Awesome. Awesome. And, and such a great, you know, taking lemons, turning them into lemonade story, like, you know, could have been down in the dumps, shut the business down due to the pandemic. Uh, you reach out just offering to help and something profound and, and high growth comes out of it. Um, and I'm, I'm again, the theme that I'm getting throughout all of this is still just rock star passion, just elite level passion about what you're doing and what you're selling and nurturing, uh, nurturing talent, nurturing relationships and bringing people together uh, with a common goal. I, I, I don't know if I... I uh, is there anything else that really embodies, you know, you, Matt, uh, uh, as a salesperson? No, I, I, I appreciate that. I like that. I really haven't thought about it that much, but I would say um, that describes me pretty well. I mean, it, it, for me, it's about passion. It's about trying to be a consultant to everyone that I work with. I really, any client I work with, I really want to partner. I really like, ment I would say, you know, even when we work together, I probably had I probably mentored more people and probably had more mentors as well. Like I always, I believe in having a lot of mentors. I believe in mentoring other people. And I think there's benefits of both. And uh, it is true. The relationships have really helped me. I mean, even, you know, people that we worked with, I mean, I know I'm name dropping a lot, but Dan Jessup at Groupon was one of the most charismatic guys I've ever seen that was in charge of the HR. And now I'm working with him collaborating for Yaymaker. He's now hosting a, a virtual game show that we're doing that clients like Google and the Facebooks and LinkedIn. I mean, we have like a lot of top clients now that are booking our events and doing more even with the Dan Jessup. But to, to answer your, your summary, for me, it's always been about passion and it's always been about the, you know, the consumer and engagement and relationships. However, I would say the important to know your own strength. I have a lot of weaknesses. As I said, I'm not as tech savvy. You know, it takes me longer to build reports. There's other things that I'm just, I'm just, I'm not as operationally minded as a lot of really good VPs of sales. Um, but I, I, I use a more the Darren Schwartz model where I really, you know, love people. I love passion. I love energy. He was always a, a role model of mine. And, uh, but, um, but anyway, but yeah, so I do that, but I think who, no matter who you are, know, know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses and, and don't be shy to ask for help with your weaknesses. So, you know, so there's other people that are just very good at 
setting up systems and operationalizing things. If that's your key strength, lay into that. Um, so anyway, that's great. Crazy. That's great. Yeah. We got to get, we got to get Darren on the pod too. Uh, he's, he's, he's certainly one of my, uh, my early sales career mentors. I haven't reached out to him in quite some time, but legendary guy and just uh, love, love people. And also hilariously funny. Hilariously yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah you definitely <laughs> I mean, again, just, he's so humorous that it's the worth of value. And again, uh, he's got great insights and leadership as well. So yeah, that's just awesome. Um, so Two, two last questions. The first yeah. is, um, you know, so what's, what's your take on sales? Do you subscribe to a sales philosophy? Is there something that kind of guides you uh, as a sales professional? Um, boy, I would say one is, all, you know, the whole always improving. I, I believe in always be learning. Um, and I know that's cliche, but I listen to this Blinkist app, which I love. They're like 15 minutes, like short, you know, of all these books. So I've listened to hundreds of those. I, I sign up for masterclass. Um, about storytelling and there's great business lessons from executives from like Howard Schultz of Starbucks or Disney. So that, um, you know, their business books I think are helpful too. But uh, for me, I, I, again, you, I, I reached out to you just to connect and talk and find out what's going on in the industry. How you doing? I, I feel like just connecting with people is probably the best way to continue to learn. Um, but when it, when it comes to a sales philosophy, I would say, you know, really, Put yourself in the shoes of who you're talking to. I, I feel like it's that's easier said than done. But I like if, if I like to research their obviously their LinkedIn, but I like to see if I can find anything else about their personality was important. And one of the first questions I like to ask anybody is, what's the most important thing to them when they're if they had their wish list? And let's say they're not going to do any business with me, but if they had their magic wish list, what would that be? And um, I feel getting that information can be very important. I'll share one other, share with something else with that question too. When, when I was a college student, I was not a great writer, but I always turn in my papers early, like a week early. And I'd ask the professor TA, could they give me feedback on it? Mm. And then they'd always, whatever feedback they shared, I'd incorporate that in my final draft I turned in. And I never had a grade worse than an A minus because they were kind of grading themselves. So even though it may have only been a B paper, it's just, I got their input. So a lot of times, if I'm interested in working with a client, I might say my goal is not to sell. My goal is just information. I just want to understand zero pressure, find out what's important to them. But once I understand one or two like nuggets that are important to them, that can help me think about a, a unique, creative, more partnership approach to get them to really think about what we're doing. That's really great. And, and very profound. It's something I actually, I haven't really, I haven't thought about it until really right now, but throughout my career in school, uh, you know, and, and really high school and elementary, elementary school and, um, and on obviously into college, like you're trained to be somewhat of a perfectionist and get the grades that you need and uh, take the tests, do, do the best you possibly can. And um, for me, it was kind of hard driving at, at the A, right? The, the 95, 96, 97% above that. Uh, and I didn't know this until really sales when you're pretty much the opposite, just failing, failing, failing all the time and having to go out for feedback and get, get all that feedback. You knew this at an earlier age where you would ask for feedback right away. I think that's really clever and smart and um, something that, you know, our, our audience can certainly take away here is over ask for feedback and it's, it's okay to, it's okay to fail. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're, uh, you're, you're bad. It just means you're onto the next opportunity, onto the next call, onto the next email. Um, just, just learn from whatever you're doing. 
And I think that's something that I've gained from this conversation as well is you're, you're, you're always learning. You're someone who's, who's always curious for the next opportunity, curious for the next uh, piece of knowledge that you can use, you know, in, in your life or, or in your career. Great. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think, uh, I think most people are surprised how many people like to just help or share ideas. Like it's amazing. We just trying to get advice from others and they're more than happy to share. And then later they're like, Hey, you should connect with this person or, Hey, my company might be interested in working with you and where they come to me. Yeah, I love it. Um, so we'll get you out of here on this one last question. So if you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, uh, and tell yourself one thing about one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Wow. Um, I would say, I mean, I would say, you know, when it comes to social media, be very thoughtful. I see um, a lot of SDRs, are up. I mean, sometimes realize obviously anything you put online is always there. So that's obvious advice. But also, I'd say think very early, like I love LinkedIn and think very early, like where do you want to brand yourself? And if you want to be an, a rock star salesperson, do you want to be a, a sales leader? Do you want to be in marketing, engineering, whatever it is, um, start thinking about content, like actually have a strategy on getting content out there and be consistent with it. Because I think old school is just dial away and talking to people. But I think more the new school way of selling is much more social selling. Like I've been getting a lot of clients coming to me because of my LinkedIn content. So I think, you know, ones that can give really good value out there about their industry, about their product, about their service without being overly salesy. Um, I, I would tell myself earlier on, I wish I kind of built out more content, started getting more followers from that standpoint, because I think having, being considered a thought leader in your space can really be beneficial in your professional sales career. I love that. I love that. Something we haven't heard to, uh, we, we haven't heard yet and something that our, our students should take to heart. Um, be thoughtful about what you put out there and, and have a strategy for who you are, not just offline, but, but online as well. Absolutely. Um, Matt, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really, really appreciate it. There's so much that our uh, community can learn from you. And uh, we hope to have you on once again sometime in the future. Great. Well, anytime, let me know. It was great seeing you. And thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Great. Thanks. Bye.